Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the Conveyancing Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Matthew, your host, and I'm joined today by Thomas, my co-host. How are you doing, Thomas? I'm doing fine. Another week, another podcast. This week we are on episode 9, if I am not mistaken, which is crazy. It's nine weeks. Yes, next week will be our number 10. That will be a big milestone for us. Yeah, we started at number 5, and now we've got number 10 as our milestone, and then 15, maybe 20, I don't know. (laughs) We'll have to see. Please subscribe to keep getting news like this, or... Um, visit any of our uh, other platforms if you want to consume in a different way uh, we, we're on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter Anchor FM, Spotify, Google Podcasts and more um, and a, a disclaimer we are not offering any legal advice we're just offering an overview of the conveyancing news shall we dive into the news stories this week? Let's go for it. I'm ready, and you're ready, and everyone else is. So, starting off this week, we have an article from the Law Society Gazette. It is an exclusive. So, we covered an article about this lady, uh, I believe, last week. She was a junior solicitor who had been struck off because she had lost some files on a train. I think she'd left them on the train, and then, obviously, she never got them back this um ended up uh you know she ended up being struck off by the sra itself i believe and uh the company it's all a bit of a the company that she had been working for just happened to be the sra's go-to so they had to get another um law firm to help them with this so um this is a talking about it this is a follow-up so this junior solicitor um has tried to appeal this uh this uh her being strike uh struck off because she doesn't see well i don't think many people see it as very good she's even um prepared herself a gofundme page which she uses to get funds to help her in this battle what do you think about this matthew Yes, um, yeah, she works for, she did work for Capsticks, the SRA's like legal advisor, and um, they, they, Capsticks didn't actually report the incident to the SRA, which the SRA have got angry about. Um, they've written to the firm to remind them to, to report the misconduct. And um, if I remember rightly, she left a briefcase on a train and it wasn't even her briefcase. It was like a colleague's briefcase. It's not like it was even her own briefcase. It's all very strange. But um, yeah, she's got a lot of money through GoFundMe. She's doing the work pro bono, which means she's like representing herself in the Solicitor's Disciplinary Tribunal. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, we mentioned, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, but she's saying that the whole incident's had a massive effect on her, like, mentally. She's been having, like, panic attacks and stuff. Yeah, it's not been very good for her. But, you know, hopefully everything sorts itself out. I mean, this is good. At least she's trying. She's definitely trying, despite the fact that she's got some uh, mental issues because of what's happened she's still going for it and I think that's quite respectable let's just pop up that GoFundMe 
Uh, she's she's got a target of forty thousand, which is pretty high, isn't it? Yeah. She's already got four thousand four hundred, so she's got about ten percent. That was created a day ago, by the way. So she's already gotten four grand in one day. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty impressive. There must be a lot of people who feel for her, because I, I think if she's young and she made a mistake, you know. Yeah. A mistake. She's currently working at an NHS call centre as well, so that might get her some sympathy. Because at this time, like you know, front uh, frontline workers are very respected, aren't they? For, for yeah. De- helping deal deal with the. Um... That's actually good, though. I'm glad she she managed to get a job. Like after this, she's um, she's managed immediately to get a, another job. Yeah, which is great. Even if it, um, if even if her financial means aren't going to be extremely limited because the job isn't as uh, maybe isn't paying as much as any other legal profession she could have gotten. At least she's gotten another job, which I I mean that's great. Uh, even though she is apparently dealing with these mental issues, she's gotten from everything that's happened. It's strange but how she main, seems uh, to be doing okay. Yeah, the main point about it all was that she lied because they say. The SRA accused her of dishonesty and it was like she was struck off for lying to colleagues. So it wasn't about leaving the briefcase as much as lying, saying that she she didn't lose the briefcase and then it turning out that she did. Like maybe she was just trying to cover it up until she could get it back or she was just scared to tell the truth, I don't know. Well, I mean, when you're a junior, I think we already said these things. When you're a junior, when you're young and you're just starting out, of course, you're going to be more, you know, if you lose a briefcase with important documents that some random colleague has entrusted you with, of course, you're going to be panicking. You're going to be thinking, how am I going to get this back? I'm not going to tell them just yet, even though it probably is the best course of action, but maybe it would have ended the same way. Just instead of her being struck off for lying, she would have been struck off because she lost, lost the briefcase. Hmm. I feel like it, it might have just ended the same, really. So, Unless uh, she'd never taken the briefcase. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on to this um, story about a solicitor doing um, Disney Frozen lockdown parody <laughs> yes this article is from legal cheek and uh charlotte fisher is a london lawyer who as matthew just said has created her own frozen lockdown parody so it's um the the song the famous song that was uh in frozen she's decided to cre- recreate it and uh <laughs> and turn it into a let me go instead of let it go the song itself is quite um i'd say it's quite entertaining while it has a she's dressed the dog up as a unicorn or something i don't know it might be a character from frozen or she's just decided to put something on it because you know frozen it's cold so she put something on the dog i must admit i'm not big on Frozen. I see it advertised <laughs> everywhere, but I, I don't think I've actually seen it, which might make me unpopular with everyone that loves it. But I, sorry to say, you know, I might have to go and uh, go and watch it now. Yeah. I mean, 
I haven't seen it either. I'm not saying I see it m- m- like a lot as a kids movie, even though it probably is. But I, I don't know. It's more for pr- little princesses, isn't it? But the she's trying to raise funds for the NHS, which is pretty good. She's a yeah. London lawyer, and she's obviously stuck at home, so she's trying to make the best of it and um, do some good. Hmm. Oh, she's dressed her dog up as the snowman that appears in the movie. Oh, is it? Why has it got something sticking out of his head? Is that supposed That's to be supposed carrot? to be the nose. Oh. supposed to be carrot, yeah. Yeah, well, either way, if you want to support the NHS, you can go donate to her... Um, Just Giving Patreon, page. To her Just Giving page. She's got 485 um, of her 800 target. Or maybe it's gone up by now. Oh, my gosh. She's gone over 800 now. 800 is... A small sum, but I, it, it, I guess it helps. Every every bit helps. Well, maybe she didn't think it was going to go viral. She just wanted to make a bit of money, a but bit. obviously this yeah. could go viral, couldn't it? Well, actually, it's only 39 supporters, which means each and every one of them must have given at least... Wait. Look, a lot of these are very recently donated. Um, maybe yeah, that, getting that last donation was 10 uh, minutes ago. When yeah, that's was what the I mean. When was thing set up? When was it set up in the first place? There's no date on it. No. It's very confusing that she... That she's got an 870 out of, like, 39. A lot of people must have donated, like, 200 or something. It looks like the husband filmed it, and then Henry the dog helped out as the snowman. Well, yeah, if you still want to donate and help her out, uh, help the NHS out, definitely go check her um, Just Giving. And if you want to see the video, you can always just search Let Me Go. It will appear because it has gone viral, as we've said. Moving on, the next article is from The Negotiator. And this article states, uh, Charity with links to property industry to be investigated over serious concerns. Um, This article is covering uh, a charity by the name of the Ashley Foundation, Um, and its recent uh, issues, because the, um, if if I'm not mistaken, the CEO, uh, Lee Dribben, has recently uh, purchased luxury goods on his personal credit card, which uh, these personal goods were reimbursed by the charity. Hmm. Yeah, it looks like it's a it's a successful charity, like helping homeless people in around Blackpool, and um, it's been running quite a long time since 1997, and um, it's estimated to be worth. Four million. It's got assets of four million, and uh, the way it makes money is the housing benefit, uh, which is given to the resident his residents. You know, he basically takes the housing benefit in an exchange for them to live in his houses, I guess, or in the charity's houses. But yeah, the the irregular activity is he's they've found that he's been uh, paying off his credit card bills with charity money I mean they do say luxury goods I don't know what that means hmm what's he been buying just things I mean 
I mean, I commented uh, the same thing as I'm about to say earlier when I was covering this. Uh, when you think of a charity, you always think of, um, I don't know, you always think of, of like, is this going to be a legitimate uh, charity or are they going to use my money for different purposes? Mm. I think that's something that makes a lot of people back away from charities because they don't want to risk their money being used just for some person to buy themselves some luxury goods or to pay their own credit card bills off. I mean, I'm not going to lie, a charity could offer um it could serve as a, as a job as well i mean if you work in a charity you probably would get paid unless it's a uh, job or just a voluntary job mm-hmm. but um in this case he was definitely using the charity money that was donated directly so you know that's something that you shouldn't obviously you shouldn't do and that's uh, something that scares everyone mm-hmm. definitely yeah i agree like stories like this just make charities more questionable like mm. well let's move on to the oh it's another one from the negotiator oh look at that so this article is um talking about the right to rent uh regulation uh it says right to rent checks to continue despite latest legal challenge um I didn't... <sighs> yeah, right to rent, we looked it up because I think we got uh, confused with rent to buy or right to buy. Yeah. Right, yeah, we I, we thought right to rent was that someone actually has the right to rent a place, but it's actually a new... Well, I don't know how new it is, but it's a scheme by the government requiring that landlords have to check that anybody who lives in their property has to have the legal status to live in the UK. Yeah. So, someone's challenging that scheme. Campaigners are challenging that scheme. I don't know who the what this campaign group is. The Joint Council for the Welfare of Immigrants. So, they, they obviously want undocumented immigrants to be able to rent properties. And that has been rejected by the Court of Appeal saying, no, this we will continue to run these right-to-rent checks. Hmm. I mean, it's... I guess it's very simple. It's, I don't know... If you don't have the right to remain in the UK or live in the UK, or in England, I mean, or maybe it is the entirety of the UK, if you don't have the right to be there or live or write to rent as this is called then I guess you can't rent <laughs> but it's I a mean bit... if if someone who does have the right to be in the UK rents the house and then lets undocumented immigrants in it there's not much the government could do about that mm. so it kind of ensures that the immigrants aren't the undocumented immigrants aren't living in isolation from the normal community I guess because if they were able to rent on their own, then they would um, there'd be pockets of them that would never like meet anybody who sort of is a documented person. But uh, I, don't know. I mean, obviously, this means that anybody who lives in the house is sp- the the agent. It's the landlord's responsibility. So I guess if if 
if the immigrant got caught and said, oh, I was living in that house, and then the, they said to the landlord, you should have known this guy was living in your house and told us, then I suppose that it's a bit of a headache for landlords. Yeah. It's, yeah. But if you're a landlord, you should know who's living in your house, though, no? I mean, if you accept legal people regardless, well, illegal people, if you accept people who don't have that right, um, who don't have the right to, you know, uh, remain in the UK or, you know, whatever sort of rights is necessary, then, uh, and you let those people in um, knowing that they're like that, then I, I don't really know, like then it wouldn't be something that you wouldn't know of. And since you're not reporting it, I guess you could get in some serious trouble if you were found out. But I I think there might be a lot of people that do that, and I'm not sure if they're all going to be checked out or if they're going to be caught. I'm not sure. There's an interesting bit at the bottom here that um, originally all uh, right-to-rent interviews, it says here, by estate agents. I, I guess the estate agents do rent I know that um, if you're a landlord you you can get the estate agent to do all the work for you all the rental mm. and, uh, even dealing with the property maintenance but um, it says that originally the, the agents had to do everything like see all the documentation physically but during the coronavirus crisis they can do it by Skype and they're allowed to accept electronic copies of identification. Right. That's a bit... Maybe that'll stay uh, like like that after the uh, lockdown. Yeah, but, like, the thing is, if they, if they were to suddenly find out that one of their tenants is... Um, it doesn't have the papers, is undocumented, or if they already knew about it and they have a couple of tenants that are already undocumented and they had to, you know, give all this information to them, well, are they going to tell the person to kick them out during the lockdown or are they going to just, you know, put a massive fine on this person? Like, I'm not sure what they the are penalties. looking to do. What yeah, because if it's... If, if it's the coronavirus right now and the lockdown and, you know, people shouldn't be going outside, then I don't think this is something they should really be doing just yet. They should, you know, like, tone it down. I and... think this is from before the coronavirus. Oh, I see. But I don't, like I say, these campaigners, I mean, they must be worried about the welfare of these people to be going and complaining about it or maybe they're people yeah. that were making money out of undocumented immigrants before and now <laughs> their livelihoods kind of threatened so i don't think i don't doubt that yeah yeah it's a bit hard to be sympathetic but um you know on the one hand the government you know people are concerned about immigration so the government are trying to do something about it and then they try to do something and then people complain that they're not allowed to do that so kind of can't win either way <laughs> let's uh, go on to the BBC no? sure thing there's the next article as Matthew just said it's from the BBC and it says coronavirus demand from renters slumps amid lockdown so um, this is something to be expected I mean I think we've been talking about this past weeks how obviously the demand has been going down because of 
everything is happening it makes sense so this analysis is quite a logical analysis it's um basically stating uh that the demand for renting has gone down uh, apparently by 42 percent since the start of march um this is for obvious reasons uh, which is the coronavirus and the lockdown and it also um talks about the buyers v renters what do you think about this matthew yeah it's pretty uh, self-explanatory isn't it and we've done articles along this line before along these lines um i mean it's I don't know what I know that the market is still go, running like I know that firms are still doing transactions so um the, obviously you can move during the the lockdown um I suppose it depends on your on the conditions and whether you were already in the middle of a transaction but uh rental demand I mean is it that people aren't moving into other rentals like aren't moving between you know they're staying put in their rental property whereas they would normally have moved hmm but I mean the Uh, same number of houses should be rented surely like because everybody needs to be in a house yeah so everyone would logically yeah just be in a house at the moment renting it must be like the turnover, the the demand for new rental properties. It's like people looking to move into a better property or whatever. And then it says here that to house sales as well are down a lot, obviously. Um, take it comparing to 2019, it's down about 70% compared to this time last year. Yeah, well, I mean, again, <laughs> we all know why. Yeah, there's nothing, the, the mortgage companies aren't giving out any mortgages without large deposit, and um, no one's actually allowed to move, so. Yeah. And this bit at the bottom, it says that rents are still likely to rise in the future. I would have thought you might see a, a small drop uh, a short-term drop mm. in rents, but obviously not. Yeah, but I mean, these these drops that are happening now, they they shouldn't be regarded as, as something vital or important in um, the history of the market because it's due to these circumstances. Um, of course, they're all going to go down. If it was normal, if there was no coronavirus or no lockdown, and then there was drops like, like what's happening now, then it would be more uh, impressive in a bad way. It would be more like, oh yeah. wow, this a is house happening. is a yeah. long-term investment. It's not short term. You know, even if the prices do go down temporarily over a long period of time, it should even out, shouldn't it? Yeah, of course. I mean, um, after the coronavirus, everything might, you know, it might stabilise, it might go back to what it used to be, or it might go above, you know, these prices might go more than they uh, they were originally, you know, like, we're not sure what's going to happen, but... 
But this last little bit it says landlords themselves can request a mortgage holiday from their lender. So it's kind of like if if the landlord can take a mortgage holiday, then there's no need to pass on extra costs to their tenants because they could be like taking a break from their mortgage. Yeah. So, um, concluding that one, let's move on to the Daily Mail. So, um, this article from the Daily Mail uh, talks about um, 1.2 million households that have already taken a mortgage holiday. So, uh, we have talked about the mortgage holiday since, I think, uh, week one or two when we first uh, talked about it, when it was first revealed that the um, banks would uh, uh, possibly allow it. And I think this is the first article we have looked at that is finally talking about the people who have managed to get the mortgage holiday and not the people who never got it or how it was a bit of a a bit of a difficult process. Here it says that 1.2 million households have taken this mortgage holiday, but apparently experts are warning that some could struggle to remortgage as a result. So this article also says that some banks are saying that they might not loan money in the future to these specific people who have um, taken a mortgage holiday. Mm. Yeah, so that's quite high. I didn't really expect that many, to be honest. Um, I'm not sure how many households there are in total. I guess should have thought about that. But, I mean, would there be, say, 30, 40 million households? So we, we might be talking 1 in 40. So... Um, five percent or something four or five percent and um yeah it says they've been the vast majority of these will have been financially hit by coronavirus so um i don't know whether they're just people that couldn't work from home i imagine um builders maybe um plumbers and i don't know I was mm. thinking the other day. I mean, if you if you have an emergency plumbing job, there ha- you have to be able to get an emergency plumbing. Now, if like water's spraying out in your house or whatever. Well, I'd imagine. I mean, I hope because it's kind of important, isn't it? Or you if don't your want gas to... is leaking and it's going yeah. to blow up. There yeah. must be something of the sort. They must allow essential. Maybe in conjunction with the police, the police sort of escort them around or whatever to make sure they don't infect anybody else. Mm. I mean, um, important jobs, maybe like uh, working at a bank or maybe even a plumber, I think those might be uh, some important jobs that they do allow. Like um, if you've got a, a vital job or a job that's important. But I think any job really, you are allowed to keep your even a shop if I'm not mistaken you're allowed to keep just a shop open but you have to limit the amount of people that go in there I mean I think everyone would regardless even if it wasn't a specific rule so there there probably will be plumbers still available even if it's uh, a lower amount now so say before there were like 
in a town of a couple thousand people maybe there was there were two plumbers now there might be one you know it might be maybe it takes longer for them to get there but they probably will be plumbers yeah i think if it's true what these experts are saying that anybody who takes a mortgage holiday will be penalised in the future I think that's scandalous because I mean there are people with genuine you know financial problems right now due not due to their own fault so mm. if if the mortgage company like puts you on a blacklist and says oh he he used government help for three months you know it's not even a very long period of time just to have a short break from their mortgage and then if the, if they say oh we, we're not going to lend to you in the future we're not going to we're going to tell everybody not to lend to you that just seems scandalous well yeah i know it doesn't seem very nice does it now it it seems i mean i'd love to hear their yeah. point of view of why this is a good idea because you know, maybe maybe they have got a reason. Maybe they're like, look, these people could have paid their mortgage some way or another. Or, I mean, is it possible just to pay the interest on your mortgage and not not pay back any capital for a few months? Hmm. You know, not a full holiday, just reduce. You know, make a minimum payment or something. Maybe that would get you out of that conundrum. But I mean, knowing the bank or knowing the banks, they wouldn't give. They most likely wouldn't give a mortgage holiday to someone who can pay off the mortgage uh, tenfold, for instance. So those kind of people are out of the Yeah, but they, these people have already been allowed the mortgage. You know, they've gone to the bank. The bank said, yeah, you can have it. And then gone, well, we're not going to lend to you again. So why, give, yeah. why not say, look, we're not going to give you the mortgage holiday because you can afford to pay it? You know, why... Or maybe the reason they need the mortgage holiday is because they weren't a good person to lend to in the first place. Like maybe the the banks are sort of saying, if you need a mortgage holiday, then you're not the kind of person we want to lend to in the future. I mean, I guess, but it still seems rather unfair. I think we need to hear a statement from the from whatever banks are actually doing this themselves to see what their point of view is because it's very important right now to know what what their what their thinking is the when thing is I, I doubt they would ever publicly sort of tell anybody that it's kind of like mm. their own in you know, it's only the it's the opinion of a, gr a small group of experts who are saying, you know, yeah, take your holiday, but you will be penalised by the banks in the future because that's what the banks do. Sadly. This next article is from Legal Futures, and it is talking about a, um, a secretary for a... Is it a legal firm? I'm not sure. Yeah, a law firm, yeah. Yeah, a law firm. So this sec there uh, was a secretary in a, a law firm that ended up in a client's will um essentially what happened a bit a quick rundown of the story is that this um secretary uh got in contact with uh some clients i do believe all these clients contacted the secretary to um go through the process of this will and they ended up befriending each other and in the process of befriending each other uh well in the process no once they were all friends and um 
they were all i guess it, it seems like they had a proper friendship it was uh, it's very strange or they still have a proper friendship is what i mean uh the secretary this uh individual offered to do the will for them and that's where the problems uh arose if i'm not mistaken hmm. yeah she um miss mansfield befriended the clients and they became like family friends they say now like they regard her as part of their family now and uh, I guess the real problem was that the client came in originally for the will and then she ended up being friends with them and now she took over the the will so the her employer is claiming that he, she basically took the work from him but, yeah um, I don't think her being in the will was the problem I don't think although the the judge sort of said it was all very suspicious or strange but um what's other things yeah she was ordered to pay 7,700 in costs after because she claimed some other things that she was disabled and dis, um, she was disabled because she was dyslexic but I don't see what that had to do with any of it no apparently well she says it was discrimination mm. but but the judge said something about your disability was nothing to do with it somewhere. bottom or something I, I, yeah, I remember said, we um, looked at it it says, it's also the case that there's no medical evidence that the errors, of which there are many, were in fact related to dyslexia. But it's saying yeah. errors, like, did she put herself in the will? But it seemed as if they were friends. And I mean, we've looked at this article and we didn't exactly find something that said that. We, we What we found was what, what we've said. I mean... I feel like the articles could say things in a bit more of a simple manner because it feels like it's going into other things uh, rather than, you know, talking about what actually occurred. It's talking about every other thing, which is very strange. Hmm. It's also weird here as well. M Mr. Bressington, who's the partner at the firm, offered her 10000 over this disability thing and then she claimed 25,000 and then the judge rejected it and said you should have taken the 10,000 and then charged her 7,700 so instead of getting 10 grand she she ended up losing 7,700 I don't know I mean claims of dyslexia discrimination uh, and claims of dyslexia if you're if you are being discriminated and you're looking to be paid for it I mean, ten grand. I don't know. Like, is it's it's quite a bit. Mm. I mean, I mean, in the old days, they would have just said you shouldn't really have dyslexic people working on paperwork, no? Because surely one of the requisites of working on paperwork is that you're kind of literate and you're able to deal with. You know, if you can't spell properly and you write all the wrong things in the wrong places. Hmm kind of rules you out doesn't it yeah but i mean either way is still you know no reason to be discriminatory uh, towards anyone of course hmm. 
I don't know. I think she should have taken the 10 grand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go and read that article if you're interested in this because it's pretty lengthy and it's a bit difficult to access. Yeah. Moving on, we have a, another article from... Uh, Evening Standard Homes Evening and Property. Evening Standard Homes and Property. <laughs> I can't get it. So this article talks about the property market, which um, after Brexit was apparently powering back. And then obviously the coronavirus plunged it into a deep freeze. Mm. Um, yeah, that title's uh, pretty self-explanatory. So this article is obviously talking about how after uh, before Brexit, the uh, property market was... Uh, declining steadily and then after Brexit it was already sort of powering back up it was coming back to what it was and now obviously with the coronavirus we've had a sharp and uh, bad freeze but we I think we've already looked at some charts as well in this other article we covered just uh, moments ago um, that also said and gave us some more details on how bad this freeze is hmm what do you think about this, Matthew? Yeah, these further down it says that Rightmove hasn't even been able to produce any monthly house price indexes for the last couple of months. Or, or maybe it's just this month they couldn't do it for the first time ever since it was made, since the hmm. website started. And um, estate agent Knight Frank says there could be half a million fewer home sales this year if the lockdown continues. So that's going to be a big hit on the overall thing. But yeah, this is similar. We've covered this several times, same sort of theme. I suppose that we've got a little bit more info now. There's a bit more data coming through, Hmm. filling in the blanks. You know, there's been a lot of predictions. I would say that they're probably right on because there's not much activity at the moment in the market so let's uh, move on to our final article our final article for the week ladies and gentlemen so this is our lovely house obviously from country life it is a bill by oh Sorry. So the article is a um, is sort of a listing at the same time. It's talking about a advert which is buy one stone built cottage and you get one free with spectacular views from both. So well, one thing that struck odd for me at least was the fact that this is all in kind of the same thing. So these two cottages are actually kind of. It looks like they would come as a full package anyway because they're all like in the same area in the same space. But regardless, this is in the countryside of the Isle of Anglesey. Anglesey, yes. yeah. Anglesey. For anyone that doesn't know where Anglesey is, it's at the north of Wales in the Irish Sea, I do believe. Mm. It's a famous island that most people would visit at one time or another. Mm. This uh, this um, property, or these two cottages, are in the uh, on this isle, and they are in the middle of a lot of farm fields. It seems, uh, unless they're not farm fields, um, they seem to be fields at least. I mean, you you are 
it's pretty private out there that you haven't got any neighbours unless you mm. sell the cot- one of the cottages so right next to each other it says yeah. it says later on that they they were two different places and then they were bought by the same person and the person joined the title but he, he says that if you want to buy them he can split them again into two different places if you want to yeah. sell one and keep one I mean, it, this article is given as the price just at the beginning. So these two cottages together, right? They are six hundred and seventy thousand uh, pounds. Yeah. So that's both of them together, which doesn't seem a bad price. Um, at You've first, got I was thinking, views yeah, over you get like sea view, green hills. It's lovely. It is nice, but um, I was thinking, do you get? You know, we were both thinking, are you going to get one of these massive plots of land as well? I mean, the 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 two cottages come with a a good bit of garden, a good bit of a small bit of land that surrounds them. So it's, it's nice to garden. run around and do something. You've yeah, yeah. Some trees, you've got grass. It's all nicely fenced stuff. So going off of this, it's, mo- it's it's very likely that you don't get one of these big chunks of land. I guess that would probably make the price go to something like one million, maybe a bit more, maybe a bit less. But if you're not allowed to build there, I mean, maybe you can there because it's kind of isolated. But um, the land wouldn't be worth much if you weren't if you weren't allowed to build. Hmm. True. True. So um, at the larger the of the two cottages has three bedrooms and a kitchen, breakfast room and a sitting room. Wow. The smaller one, what does that have? Two bedrooms, kitchen, breakfast room, open plan, sitting room, its own garden. Oh, so the smaller, gar- the smaller property has its own garden while the big one has a sort of a shared garden or, or does it even have no, a garden? No, I think they, it's got a little... I th- is this oh, the smaller I see one? That. They're, they're they both, both about look, the same size, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they both look about the same size. I mean, looking at what it just it's said... Got a little garden here, and this one's got a pretty big garden. Yeah, looking at what it just said, apparently the big one has three, the smaller one has two bedrooms. So, it doesn't, they don't, don't seem very small. You don't really need more garden, but it just looks small, because you're surrounded by so much green, so many... Sort of Green I mean, amid, amidst the lockdown, this amount of garden would be spectacular for any sort of sports, any sort of activities. It's um, no, it's it's a very nice. It's just confusing because of how much land is around you. You might even feel a bit jealous and say, "Why don't I get a lot of land?" <laughs> it's all kind of empty. Like this kitchen is completely emptied out. It looks like the owner just wants to get out of there now. Yeah, but it's strange because the other rooms are definitely furnished. Like, if you scroll up, you can see there's um, mm. that that lounge even has a television in it, which yeah, is very strange. Yeah, but it's strange. kind of, it's like it's set up to sell because there's no DVDs mm. in next to the TV or it's all too clean. It's just like they put a rug and some cushions to sort of give someone an idea of what it would look like. And then once you sell it, he quickly comes back and he says, oh, sorry, I'm just just getting my pillows and my rugs. Yeah, he might throw them in. But yeah, that's... Um, it's tempting, isn't it? If you had that kind mm. of money to just um, get something 
isolated out there. I wonder what the internet is like, and I wonder how far you are from a shop. Yeah, it's a it's not a bad price either, in my opinion. It's uh pretty good for the amount that you get. That is 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 it not? It's very I wonder nice. If you could, yeah, it's, it seems value for money for me. But you've got to think about every time you go to the mainland, you're gonna to have to get a ferry. I don't think they got a an airport there because. You mm. you'd have to go to the mainland to to fly on holiday or anything. Um, you'd probably yeah. end up wanting to become a farmer eventually. I mean, regardless, it's a good plot of land for maybe even some rich folk who'd just like a little bit of a vacation or or a break sort of area, mm. a break house where they can go over there and just have a bit of a break. Either way, that concludes this week's podcast. Yes, thanks again for tuning in. We hope you um, enjoyed it. I hope you learned something about the the news that we went over. Um, you know, we're trying to keep it as close to convincing as possible. We sort of, we go into estate agency a little bit. We go into sort of general law. Maybe like, um, we do like those ones where they strike people off because it's interesting to um, see what the mistakes they might have made or you know if we can learn anything from it uh, drop a comment in the comment section if you want to hear anything particular on here or you want us to cover if you've got a good news source that we should be following like let us know that um, we'll just keep bashing these out we've got number 10 next week Looking forward to that. Yep. Definitely. That will mark our tenth tenth week doing this and our two and a half months doing this. And remember, everyone, you need to stay safe, stay indoors. If you can go outside for uh, some sports, that'd be great. Hopefully things get better. It looks like things might already be sort of getting better after quarantine and everything mm. has been uh, put in place. It seems... Numbers might start going down very soon. Well, so. you can see that the numbers drop very fast. That's, that's what we're seeing in certain countries. So hopefully, you know, it looks bad now, but hopefully it will drop off pretty quick. Hmm. So, yeah, thanks for tuning in again and um, sp- uh, see you next... Well, not see you. <laughs> uh, you'll hear us next week. Yeah, exactly. If you tune in. If you tune in. (laughs) All right. Cheers. Bye. Bye.